Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favorite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Everything is Black and White podcast in association with eToro. I'm Sean McCormick and today I'm joined by NUFC writer Chris Woff. We'll be discussing the upcoming Wolves game on Monday night. Uh, Newcastle head there hoping to pull themselves further, further clear from relegation danger. But I suppose, Chris, the first place to start will be Miguel Almiron. Um, or it could be his Newcastle United debut on Monday. At the time of us recording this podcast, you're about to go and see him this afternoon in his air. Uh, his official unveiling as a Newcastle player at St James's Park, and that's a quite a rare thing, isn't it? It is. I think the last <clears> player we're trying to work it out since I've been in this job, which is since uh, September 2015. There's not been a player unveiled at St James's. I think Junior Wijnaldum was that summer, so I think he's the first player since then. So the fact that it could become a club record deal by the summer if Newcastle survive. The fact that it already is almost level with Michael Owen just shows how significant a transfer this is for Newcastle. On Monday, when we recorded the, the previous podcast, I said that it was going to be a mere formality that is, uh, he was going to get his work permit. <clears throat> Since being granted that, he's been across in Paris, trained with his teammates for the first time yesterday. He is now a Newcastle United player. He is eligible to play in the Premier League, and that's great news for everyone associated with the football club. And I mean, he is eligible to play on Monday now, as you said. He got that work permit earlier in the week, which is great news for Newcastle. Obviously, Rafa Benitez has brought him in for big money. The long-term plan is he's going to be a regular starter, a key player for Newcastle United. Given he's only just joined his teammates on Wednesday, he's got five days before the Wolves game. Atlanta haven't had a game since December, although we understand he is in decent physical condition. But do you think he will start on Monday, or do you think it'll be more of an impact from the bench? My suspicion is that he'll be on the bench. It was telling when Benitez was asked about Almiron on Friday and it was more a question about the impact Almiron could make in the final 13 games of the Premier League season. Uh, and Benitez said, I haven't signed Miguel Almiron and Newcastle haven't signed Miguel Almiron just between now and the summer, although we like him to make an impact. We signed him for a five and a half year contract. He is the future of this club. We expect him to have an impact over time. So I don't think Benitez will necessarily rush him in. On saying that, if he has really impressed in training, if he's come in and makes a bit of an impact, then Newcastle may, Benitez may take the view we may play him for the first 55, 60 minutes at Wolves and then uh, bring him off later on. But I think the likelihood is it probably, 
he'll have had his players playing in a specific way. They know the game plan going to Wolves. Newcastle are going to be have to be very disciplined against a good Wolves side. So I suspect that uh, it'll be a similar team to the one we've seen over the last few weeks in terms of the attacking personnel in it. And that Almiron probably will come on for the final 20 minutes, half an hour instead of starting. On the flip side of that, I mean, Wolves players, particularly Matt Doherty this morning, has done an interview with Birmingham Live where he was asked about Almiron and he basically was honest and said, we don't really know much about him, we haven't really heard of him before, we don't watch the MLS. Could Benitez, with five days training behind him, think, you know, let's spring a tactical surprise, the, 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 you know, the, the element of the unknown, I suppose. We know Almiron's got quality, but Wolves won't know too much about how he's going to handle the Premier League and what he will bring to Newcastle in you know because he hasn't played for Newcastle yet kind of thing so could there be the element of surprise from Benitez by starting Almiron well Benitez often springs surprises in team selection I can think of West Ham last year the team that nobody expected when Newcastle were away there Stoke on New Year's Day last year as well when uh, Benitez also had Atsu in an almost striker position so it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility that Benitez sees something and thinks we need that element of surprise uh, something uncertain I would compare it to, to the impact Kendi made last January when he came in yes he'd been at Chelsea a bit and he'd been at Watford but he almost brought a, an unpredictability to the Newcastle attack that's hopefully what Almiron is going to bring whether Benitez sees Monday night as, as the game to introduce it I'm not sure yet I, I think the likelihood is that he'll be on the bench on Monday come on final 20-30 minutes particularly if Newcastle need a goal something different bring that unpredictability then and then the home game against Huddersfield, having had another fortnight's training under his belt, probably the game we'll see him start. But uh, when you sign a player for £16 million, starting at £16 million could rise to £21 million. For Newcastle United, that's a big deal. And perhaps Benitez will, will think, no, I, I will send him out straight away if he is fit, if he has made a bit of an impact. And let's see what he can do against who we know are a very good Wolves side up in seventh at the moment. And it's interesting because it seems as if Benitez is kind of fixed now on playing five at the back with two wing-backs, which means Newcastle now operate with two attacking midfielders who aren't really wingers anymore. So in terms of those positions, you've now got Almiron, Perez, Atsu, Kennedy, and we believe the plan is to now move Matt Ritchie further forward because of the arrival of Antonio Barreca and Paul Dummer come back from injury. There's a lot of competition for those places all of a sudden when before when Newcastle were playing with a, more of a 4-2-3-1, there was literally just Iosia Perez who could play in that attacking midfield role. All of a sudden, you've got five players there. Yosh Norimuto, six, who could play there. There's a lot of competition for places there now. Yeah, I touched upon this <clears> on Monday. and the, One of the reasons I do agree with Benitez in saying that Newcastle are stronger now than they were before the January transfer window started is because I think there are so many more options there. Benitez has always wanted tactical flexibility and also that versatility and, and unpredictability in the side. And now from game to game, you're not sure how they're going to play. He seems to be preferring to play three centre-backs, but quite clearly he could revert back to four at the back if he wants to. Now Paul Dummett is near full fitness. Barreca, an out-and-out left wing-back. I asked Benitez specifically about Matt Ritchie last weekend and whether he would now move further forward. And Benitez said, well, we now know Ritchie can cover in as a wing-back if necessary, but the plan is... That's why Jacob Murphy went alone. The plan is that yeah. Matt Ritchie can move further forward. He, he referred to it as a winger position, but really it's an attacking midfield position if he plays in the way he has done recently. Uh, Ritchie and Almiron, you'd think, would be quite a good foil for one another. One pacey, uh, really creative. The other one just brings intensity, energy, and also a good delivery. 
but then you, there's Iose Perez who more tactically uh, what Benitez wants from him does things off the ball Yoshinori Muto can cover a lot of ground we have yet to see the best of him in the Newcastle shirt but hopefully we'll start to see that in the next few weeks Atsu has been playing well recently certainly uh, when Newcastle want to counter attack he's an option and then Kennedy I mean at the start of the season Kennedy was seen as the bright light for Newcastle, the one who would make things happen. Now he caught, he couldn't even get in the team before Almiron and Bereka arrived. Now he's pushed further down the pecking order, and if he wants to get back into the side, he's going to have to start showing form. So really, Newcastle now are looking like they're in a position of strength uh, in, in the attacking positions other than up front. The one place that, that yeah. does concern me is if Salomon Rondon gets injured, Hosselu would be the direct like-for-like replacement I personally don't think he's up for it. I don't think he's going to score the goals. And then Newcastle would have to switch the way they're going to play. They'd have to either have Perez or Muto up front or play with a false nine. And really, that's the one position now you're concerned for them because behind there in that three-quarter line, if you want to call it, I think they really do are looking strong for options now. And another place they are really strong for options is central midfield. I mean, there's been three injuries across January, which meant that you know the central midfield place have been exclusively taken by Sean Longstaff and Isaac Hayden. I don't want to kind of bang on too much about Sean Longstaff because you don't, you don't want to hype him too much because he's still a young lad who's learning his trade. But, I mean, he has been absolutely fantastic in January. Played well. You know, there was an article at the weekend that he's, he's starting to become the national team's radar, particularly on the 21 level. Now that John Joe Shelby, Mo Diame and Ki Sung Young are coming back into the fold, is he put, or has he put himself in a position where he can be considered as one of the two starting places now? Or do you think that he'll take Longstaff out the firing line? Because it has been a an arduous period for him because it's been a game every two every sorry two games a week pretty much for that time. Can he be taken out the firing line, or is he one of the two starters now? In your opinion, I certainly <clears> think there's a case to be made that that he should start. Uh, I've spoken to quite a few people, both inside the club but also generally fans, who believe that he has made himself one of the first choice options. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. I think he has been excellent particularly off the ball, the amount of ground he's covered. I think it's seven games in a row he's played and in, in five of the Premier League matches he's covered uh, more kilometres than anyone else on the pitch. Uh, we haven't seen, I don't think yet, exactly what he can do with the ball. I still think he needs time to, to really influence games in that way because I've seen him for the under-23s, Lee's seen him even more frequently for the under-23s and he will tell you that he is very, very good on the ball. He has a good shot on him but also can be creative. And I, We've seen some of that passing range but not all of it yet. I think personally... The Benitez will certainly once Diarme is fit. I think he'll come in inside. I think he's more likely to come in as as a replacement for Hayden, and then it's when Key is going to be fit. Benitez seemed confident the other day that that Key would be ready for Monday night. Whether he decides that it's better to wait another fortnight before introducing him from the start and give Hayden and Longstaff another match because they'll have had eight days rest before it. Uh, I I think that we'll probably see Longstaff on on Monday in some capacity. Um, and then it's probably going to be from the Huddersfield game onwards. And personally, the way I think that Benitez will, will see it is Longstaff has, has been excellent the last month or so. He really has come on. But to to use him intermittently between now and the end of the season, because he's at a stage in his career where development is crucial for him. Some may argue that should be playing week in, week out. I think the way Benitez sees it is he should play some matches, but he also needs protecting. His body's still uh, developing. He's still developing. It's a time where he could get a lot of injuries and tactically still needs to improve in some areas. So I think between now and the end of the season, I don't see him starting every week, but I certainly see him heavily involved in the first team. And, and you touched on it there, that he's a bit more free-flowing when he plays with under-23s. He's got 
a decent strike from range on him. He likes to be a bit more creative. I mean, if you look at his loan spells at Kilmarnock and Blackpool, he's got a very good goal-scoring record. You could argue then, because he's played the games he's played, he's played Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester City, Tottenham. Newcastle aren't going to create very much in those games. He's had to work hard, as you said there. He's covered a lot of distance during those games. Could the argument be then, when Newcastle start playing the so-called weaker teams, your likes of Huddersfield, um, your likes of Burnley, teams like that, where if you give Longstaff a chance, he could become he could be a bit more expressive, could start to score more goals. Potentially, yeah. I think that the, the, when you look at those matches, the way Benitez will will identify them is on one on one one side you could look at it and say yes, he's played against the top six teams. That that's big pressure. But I think the way Benitez will look at it is when you're playing against Huddersfield and Burnley in particular, the next couple of big matches Newcastle have. They are big pressure games in terms of Newcastle really need to win them at St James Park. They certainly can't lose them. Does he want inexperience in there or does he want to turn to seasoned pros, 31-year-old Modi Army, 29-year-old Ki Sung Young, John Joe Shelby if he's fit, people who've played regularly in the Premier League. And I'm not saying that Sean Longstaff is not capable of that, but I think that more likely towards the end of the season, if and when Newcastle have made sure they're safe, then we may see Longstaff in those games where he can express himself a bit more. In the short term, I think that in, in tight matches, in games where Newcastle really can't uh, afford to drop any points where they need experience, I don't think we're likely to see him as much in the short term over the next few weeks. Now we'll start to talk about Wolves a bit more because obviously it is the upcoming game. Wolves are in fantastic form, it has to be said. Last seven games, they only lost once, and that was against Manchester City. Won their last three games in the league and against teams that are in and around them, battling for last seven place, the likes of Leicester, Everton, West Ham, and they've looked very good doing so. It's a very, very tough ask for Newcastle on Monday night, isn't it? It is a very, very tough ask. Um, the one thing I would say it's in Newcastle's favour is Wolves have tended to struggle a bit more against the teams towards the bottom of the table, particularly teams like Newcastle, who... Uh, are quite happy for Wolves to have the ball. Wolves are, are set up in a very counter-attacking style. They're very quick on the break. The likes of Jimenez up front, who's a bit of their focal point, but then often they've got Jota, they've got Doherty, who's been brilliant on the right-hand side for them. And Particularly at Molyneux, the games where they have dropped points have tended to be against the teams in the bottom half of the table, whereas their record against the teams in the top half is, is really quite good. So Newcastle can go there w- with that in mind, but Look, Wolves went through in the FA Cup the other day. They won last weekend really comfortably against Everton. They have some very, very talented players. They're seventh in the league. I think they're on course to, to finish in one of the highest ever positions for promoted side in the last 15, 20 years. But I think maybe even since Newcastle under Kevin Keegan, actually, but certainly in a long time. And uh, we know how, how the squad's been built. We know it's got Portugal internationals, the likes of Jean Moutinho, Rui Petitio and goal. It, it is a very tough ask for Newcastle, but they have gained confidence from the win over Man City. They've shown they can match uh, the best team in the league, albeit that they were on an off day themselves. But the ent- the intensity Newcastle showed in that match, they then went to, to Wembley against Spurs and really ran the team who are third in the Premier League at the moment, arguably still in the title race, very close. So I think Newcastle have gained a lot of confidence from that. So they won't go to Molyneux fearful of Wolves, but they'll go there uh, respectful of, of what they know Wolves are capable of. You, you kind of touched on it there. Um, Newcastle have won six points from the last three games in the Premier League. And I think that's as much points as they'd won in the previous nine. And I think it, a lot of people said after the Man City win that it reminded them a bit of the Man United game last year where Newcastle were in a dreadful run of form. 
but they started to turn a corner and they started getting wins at the likes of Leicester which we beforehand we never expected they would do Hi there, it's Caroline Foran from Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please do follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. The sooner we all get on board with these measures, the sooner we will be all together again. While you're staying at home, here's a recommendation for another great podcast for you to listen to. I think we need a bit of comic relief more than ever, so why not try the Two Johnnies podcast, available on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, it's not beyond the realm's possibility that Newcastle go to Wolves on Monday and co away with the three points. It's not, certainly not. This Newcastle side over the last 18 months, two years, they're very much a momentum-based team, either a positive or negative sense. We know that they're capable of going on a 10-game winless run like they did at the start of the season, or nine-game winless run as they did between October and December in 2017. But equally, they can go and win four or five in a row, as they have done on occasion. Certainly two or three games pick up positive results. And away from home, I still think Newcastle are at the best away from home against Wolves. They'll allow Wolves to have the ball, just as they did Man City at St James's Park and also Spurs at Wembley. And they will look to counter-attack. They may have the unpredictability of Almiron, certainly last 20 minutes, maybe Benitez will start him. Bereka could make his full debut so there's good, there's going to be a surprise element to Newcastle, which there probably isn't to Wolves. They didn't do that much January business, or what they did do was to to basically uh, secure the future of the players they already had on loan. So I think that that they'll Nuno will be looking at Newcastle and thinking they 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 can cause us problems on the break. We have conceded goals as well as scoring them, and I, I do actually think it's going to be quite an entertaining game. Just a few little stats here ahead of the game on on Monday, which. You know, could give Newcastle fans a lot of confidence, or accept that this Wolves team, in compared to Wolves teams of the past, is very much different and a lot better. But Newcastle were unbeaten at Molineux in their last four league away games. Obviously, they beat them in the Championship two years ago as well. Um, Wolves have lost all four of their previous Monday night games, and Newcastle have won two of their last three Monday night games in the league. Can you can you draw anything from that, Chris, or is it just a case of you know, it's kind of blinkered from from. This, this Wolves team is a lot different to Wolves teams of the past and we can't really read too much into the previous stats. Yeah, I think I think there's there's little you can read into that. The Monday night stat is interesting because Newcastle have had an awful record in general on Monday night in, until recently. So hopefully they that psychologically they've got over that hoodoo. They went to Burnley and won, which was big. Um, I suppose that the, the key thing is that this is another Monday night away match. Arsenal next month will be the 13th in a row that Newcastle fans have had to go on in the Premier League which is something that this is a separate issue but it's something that certainly needs to be looked at because uh, Newcastle fans are having to fork out a lot of money take time off work to go to these Monday night games and, and to have 13 in a row away from home uh, really in my view is unacceptable but in terms of the, the, the stats and the specific game itself I don't think Rafa Benitez is going to be looking much into those I don't think Nuno is going to be looking much into those I think they'll more be looking back to the game in December when Newcastle were very unlucky and thinking how can how can we just make those little margins go our way rather than the way of Wolves as they did in the end with the 94th minute winner whenever it was an injury time You mentioned that game back in December and I think, I think it's it's fairly important that we kind of cover that game as well because as you mentioned there Wolves got a 94th minute winner but for large spells of that game Newcastle were arguably the better team before Yedlin got sent off they looked in control to be fair I know they went one nil down but as soon as Perez equalised Newcastle seen them the better team and I mean that day Newcastle went with the formation that they've been going with recently where they played three centre-halves which kind of mirrors Wolves' system 
I'd expect Rafa goes with that again on Monday because it worked so well the first time. Granted, Wolves weren't in the same run of form then as they are now, but you know Newcastle can take confidence from the fact that they more than matched Wolves at St James's Park, and on another day they would have won that game. Yeah, and the difference between now and then is that Newcastle have been playing this system for almost two months now. The players are a lot more well versed in it, albeit. We may see a different left wing back if Bereka does start and Richie moves further forward. But in general, the players are a lot more well-versed. Lejeune has come back into the team in the meantime. I think Newcastle look far better with three centre-backs when it's Lejeune and Cher either side of Lascelles or whoever it may be. Um, and Newcastle are, are in a lot better place now than I think they were then. I very much suspect that Benitez will look to mirror their system. They seem to play 3-5-2-ish at the moment. They were 3-4-3 early in the season, but it's more of a 3-5-2 uh, they're 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 a very good side, and, and Newcastle will, will play with three centre backs, almost be a five in defence, and switch to three four three three two two one or whatever you want to call it uh, in attack. And I think Benitez will will look at this game and just just think that Newcastle all oh, Wolves a little one. He that that post match press conference at the start of December was one of the angriest I've seen him. I think there was two reasons for that. First of all, I do think he was annoyed about some of the decisions. Certainly. The fact that Willy Bolly wasn't dismissed or and Newcastle weren't given a penalty for the challenge on Jose Perez. He also argued the toss about the Yedlin red card. I personally thought it was a yellow, but he couldn't have argued that VAR would have changed that and it would have it would have been a red by the letter of the law, it was a red card. Um, and so Benitez said then we need VAR now. But one of the reasons I think he did that was to try and distract away from the fact that his team had thrown the game away in the 94th minute. Counter-attack, they'd been beaten. Kennedy, who'd just come on the pitch in the last few minutes, didn't track Matt Doherty, who, who ghosted in the back post and scored. And, and Newcastle, I know Benitez was furious after the game, not so much with Kennedy, but with the fact that Newcastle had attacked twice down the right, when it, at that point it looked like, just let's hold on, we'll, we'll stick out and get the draw here. I think it was Perez who gave the ball away the second time, but someone, it might have been Kennedy, had done it just before attacking through the middle, allowing Wolves to counter-attack on Newcastle. And Benitez was furious with his team's game management, and I think that he'll, he'll be telling them about that. He'll be saying, look, you've been far more disciplined in the last couple of weeks. You haven't been making those silly mistakes. Let's go to Wolves. Let's frustrate them and see if hopefully we can stay in the game for as long as possible, and then we can maybe score a late winner against them and this time and get a bit of revenge. You mentioned Rafa's post-match com- press conference there, and I can reiterate you that probably was the youngest I've seen him as well. I mean, around that game as well, there was a lot of things going around off the pitch. You know, the takeover talk was back. We know since then that nothing's actually happened there. Um, we were discussing the fact that Wolves within two years, as we mentioned, Newcastle beat them 1-0 at Molyneux two years ago in the Championship. Since then, They've spent massively, become a force, probably are now comfortably the seventh best team in the country, the best of the rest, away from the top six. And there was a lot of frustration that Newcastle, in that time, had kind of stagnated. They were a very similar side to the side that beat Wolves in the Championship, marginally improved. Some would argue haven't actually improved during that time in terms of quality. I mean, since then, they've brought in Almiron and Berega. Since then, as you mentioned there, they've, they've, they've kind of bettered in this new formation. Are they better off two months on from that defeat now, essentially, is what I'm trying to say. I think they are a better team now than they were then. The fact that the transfer record essentially has been broken, it isn't quite a record transfer yet, but it will become one. The fact that Bereka is in, so Newcastle have an out-and-out left wing back. The fact that the takeover talk has died down a little bit. My understanding was that around the time of the Wolves game, due diligence was being conducted by Peter Kenyon and his advisors, which is why... There was a genuine belief 
it behind the scenes a part of St James's Park that a takeover was imminent subsequently Kenyon hasn't been able to, to meet Mike Ashley's asking price and so for the foreseeable future I see Ashley remaining in charge but the, the still the big question is Rafa Benitez's future and is he still going to be here and that is the, the, the sorts of concern over Newcastle there's still uncertainty about the whole future of the club we don't know who the owner is going to be long term we don't know if Rafa Benitez is going to be here still don't know what division they're going to be in which is the complete opposite with Wolves they came up last season they're going to survive comfortably. They're going to finish maybe even in a European position, depending on what happens in the Cups. Uh, they look like they have a project and they're going forward. Newcastle still stagnating, even though they've broken the transfer record. There still needs to be change off the field, but on the pitch, I do think Newcastle are in a stronger position now than they were at the start of December. And if you just look at Wolves and Newcastle, Wolves brought in Nuno the season after Newcastle um, were promoted from the Championship. He won the Championship title. A manager who has proven himself across the continent, who is tactically astute, he allows his team to be a bit more expressive, which is different than Rafa Benitez, but there's a lot of similarities between the two managers, I would say. And you look at some of his signings in, in, across those two seasons, yes, there's, a, there's some young players who have got who are very talented, the likes of Helder Costa, players like that, Ruben Neves. But then you've also got established internationals, I mean, Raul Jimenez, the Mexico international forward. Jean Martinho, a wrong side of 30, but... I was looking, the last three games, he's created five goals, which is absolutely outstanding. You know, Wolves have put 100% trust, I would say, in Nuno. I mean, you know, there is the influence of George Mendes and what have you, but we won't go into that. But I'm, what I'm trying to say is, is that Nuno has been kind of trusted to bring in players of, of high quality, regardless of age, like Newcastle to look at. Matinho, you know, you look at Neves, you look at him and Neves, they get all the praise, but Matinho is arguably been Wolves' best signing this season, one of their best players, the wrong side of 30, but brings that experience. You know, we know that you, Rafa Benitez won in Salma Rondon. He's brought in Keisha Young, both experienced players. Modi Army has been a top performer recently. Should Benitez be, you know, given more license to bring in more experienced players? Because it shows that, you know, those kind of level-headed players who have been there and done it can still have a massive effect on you know, your team's performance, a la Martinho. Well, taking Moutinho, for example, at St. James's, I thought when he came on the last 10 minutes, that's when the game changed as well. I thought he came on and suddenly there was a composure of the way Wolves were playing. He knew the way that Wolves could eventually win the match and the momentum changed entirely. That's because he's experienced, he's won things all over the continent, was world-class in his day, isn't quite the player he once was, but still brings that experience, which you only get by being a player who's been around for so long. They've got Rui Patricio in goal as well. While Benitez wasn't afforded the opportunity to sign the experienced goalkeeper he wanted when Newcastle were first promoted, eventually got Dubravka six months later. As soon as Wolves came up, Nuno identified that he needed a top-class experienced goalkeeper, brought in Rui Patricio, and he's been very good for them as well. Yes, Benitez, one of the things that he keeps saying at the board is, Look, I'm not necessarily against bringing in young players and developing them, but the best way to develop players, and if you want to win as you're doing it, is you need seasoned professionals. You need the likes of Ki Sung Young, who has been there, he's done it, he knows exactly what to do. You need Salomon Rondon, who is experienced centre-forward, rather than a 21-year-old, 22-year-old coming in from Spain or wherever it may be to hit the ground run the Premier League. Benitez's view is you can have both in the same squad, but you need both if the sec if the if the younger is going to become the player they need to be, you need the experienced players. Maybe not to start every week, but if Newcastle needed someone to come on and change the game or make sure they just see it out, 
they need those top flight experienced players the club seem to have a different view on that they still have this age profile the need to to in their view sign players under the age of 26 with a potential sell-on value albeit to be fair in them they did bring in Kee Sung Young as a free transfer that did eventually bring in Salomon Rondon and did explore the possibility of extending his deal in January uh, so that it goes beyond the end of the season but all of this is belatedly you still get the impression they don't quite trust Benitez's outright views on transfers and I think that's something that needs to change if Benitez is going to stay long term just looking back now at the Tottenham game and we, you touched on Salomon Rondon there the impact he's had there's a stat that in every game, the game he scored this season, Newcastle have won at least one point. I mean, you know, the witch for the post on, on Saturday, and that would have been the case again. I mean, just how important is he, not only on Monday, but for the rest of the season? I think he's absolutely crucial. I've touched on earlier, it's the one position in the team which really concerns me now in terms of lack of depth. I think Newcastle have other options all over the pitch, not necessarily as strong as some of the starters, but they do have... Alt genuine alternatives there. If if Rondon isn't playing, then Hosselu just isn't at the same level for me. What Rondon brings is a focal point to the side. He occupies defenders. The amount of times, particularly when Newcastle are away from home, whereby Rondon is up front by himself, doesn't have any Castle player within thirty yards of him, and he manages to to bring two or three defenders out of the game. He holds the ball up and then brings his teammates into play. He he does exactly what Benitez wants from him. He offers a goal threat up front. He's physical, and I just I, I think he is so important to everything they want to do. The team is built around him, but he but rightly so because he responds and he gives Newcastle uh, that that sense of direction, the the real threat up front, which I don't think they have without him. So keeping him fit is crucial. In the final thirteen games of the season, if Rondon plays or starts ten of them, certainly those five or six against teams in and around them, Newcastle will survive, in my opinion. If Rondon gets injured in the next couple of weeks, touch what he doesn't. But if he did get injured in the next couple of weeks and is out for the rest of the season, then that's when I think people will start to really worry because you'd wonder where the goals are going to come from and how Newcastle can finish off some of the counter-attacking opportunities that they have been creating. And how important is he, do you think, on Monday night? Because he's going to be isolated a lot, I think, on Monday because obviously if Wolves do play with the three at the battle, which they have been the likes of Ryan Bennett, Willie Bowley, uh, Connor Cody... How important is Rondon? Because we've seen against like Cardiff at home, he was playing against two brutes in uh, Aquili Manga and Saul Bamba, but I thought that game he was absolutely outstanding, his whole play. How important is he going to be on Monday? Because he is going to be that focal point among three defenders who are you know, just as physical as Rondon, but he's shown this season that he can more than handle himself, and not only does he win the ball, it's what he does with it. It's, he doesn't just win a header aimlessly, he can control it, bring other people into play and kind of settle things down for Newcastle. He's absolutely vital because when Newcastle do play this system as they did against Spurs, whereby it's essentially 10 men get behind the ball and there's just Rondon up front by himself until Newcastle try to counter-attack quickly. If Rondon doesn't hold the ball up, if he doesn't occupy defenders, if he doesn't manage to buy a bit of time for his teammates, then the ball just comes back. He, he, he is that crucial to every, to, the, to the entire game plan when Newcastle play a counter-attack and style. You'll need someone who can, can play a pass-off to be it Perez or Atsu or Yedlin or whoever it is who's sprinting forward the first person needs to be Rondon and he needs to be covering a lot of ground chasing any of the clearances that happen and if he isn't quite on his level if he isn't fully fit and doing that then suddenly Newcastle's game plan uh, is nowhere near as effective as it can and should be and so getting him into the game and make sure that he is 
is top level on Monday night is crucial if Newcastle are going to get anything from this. And just looking at the the relegation picture, um, just kind of bring this to a close a bit now. I feel like I ask you every time I host this podcast about like the effect of certain other results and what have you. But I mean, this weekend in particular, Southampton play Cardiff, so one of the rivals at least is going to drop points, possibly two. Newcastle will know that situation going into Monday. Whether that's an advantage or a disadvantage, I suppose, depends on your kind of personality. But this is a huge opportunity for Newcastle because, as I say, that one team's going to drop points, possibly two. So a win or a draw will 100% pull them further away going into that two-week break. I mean, how much of a psychological boost would that be? That'd be absolutely huge because, as you say, that two-week break, if Newcastle can make sure that they are more than one win away from the relegation zone at that stage, psychologically that's massive, looking at the final 12 games of the season. At the moment, Huddersfield, in my opinion, are already down. I can't see any way that they're going to accumulate the points to catch up with anyone. Fulham are on the brink. I think they really need some results. Uh, they're already, I think it's, it's they're still seven points adrift or something like that. They certainly yeah. need a win this weekend to, to keep themselves in touch and distance. Cardiff is the one team who, who are still uh, there or thereabouts and, and could lift themselves in that group of four or five behind them. The Newcastle players will be looking at the Cardiff result this weekend. They could say what they want. They will certainly be looking at it and thinking. Because if Southampton win there, then Newcastle have the opportunity to move five points ahead of Cardiff, which is massive. And I, I do think that, that it could be a weekend where psychologically the bottom three could be so far cut adrift if results go against them that the other teams can start looking up. Equally, though, if Cardiff do win and really put the pressure on Newcastle, then the players have to respond and they have to think that, right, we need to match what their teams are doing. It's the business end of the season. This is where we, this is the point in the campaign last year where we made sure we were going to be a Premier League team again next season. Let's replicate that. And I think if, if Cardiff do lose and Newcastle know that after this two-week break, they've got Huddersfield, they've got Burnley, two games where Rafa Benitez and the players will be targeting six points from those. If Cardiff do lose, do, does Wolves then become a bit of a free hit? I already think Wolves is a bit of a free hit, regardless. I mean, if, if Cardiff win, I suppose the picture changes slightly. But I still think if you look at this run of three matches Newcastle have had over the past week and a half, they've already picked up certainly two points more than anyone expected, arguably three, by beating Man City in the first match. That's why it was a bit of a free hit going to Spurs. They'd already collected more points than anyone thought. Wolves was the one game I always thought Newcastle might, might get something from there. But... If you still take it in the context of those three matches, I still think Newcastle, there isn't as much pressure going on them to Wolves. That, the picture may change if, if Cardiff win, but certainly if Cardiff don't win, then I still think then Newcastle players can think, right, we go to Wolves, see if we can get something. A result psychologically would be huge. If not, we have nearly two weeks to prepare for Huddersfield and Burnley, who we sp- uh, face in a short space of time at home. Those are two matches where we can make sure that we pull clear of the relegation zone and suddenly we can enjoy the final two months of the season. So I think we'll just leave it there, Chris, but we'll end with a prediction. I think we've, we've, we've kind of covered all eventualities in this podcast, but from your personal standpoint, I mean, do you think Newcastle can come with anything on Monday night? My heart says 1-1, my head says 2-1 Wolves, but I, I'm going to go with my heart. I'm gonna, I think Newcastle can get a result here. I think they can... Uh, upset Wolves with rhythm, rhythm I think they're all than one so I, I think that, that it could be a positive Monday night particularly if Cardiff don't win I think that'll give Newcastle all the, all the psychological edge they need to make sure they get a positive result well hopefully it'll be a good game I mean Molyneux is always a, a decent away day for Newcastle fans so 
I hope you all enjoy it, whether you're going down there and watching the game on Sky Sports or even following our coverage on Chronicle Live. But thanks for joining us again, guys. Um, in the build-up of that Wolves game, we'll have all the build-up. Um, we're speaking to Rafa Benitez on Friday. Um, so we'll have all his uh, thoughts from the from the press conference. Um, the next podcast we'll be bringing you will be from Molyneux. Lee and Chris will be bringing you their post-match thoughts. Hopefully it's a happy podcast. Um, but you, you never know who Newcastle United. But thanks again for joining us, guys. We hope you've enjoyed it. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.